Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And on tonight's episode, we are back with our annual spring training predictions episode. As you know, we like to make predictions here at On the Verge. And we'll have a few for this shortened Orioles spring training. We're also going to get into some injury news concerning Adley Rutschman and the fact that the Baltimore Orioles did not sign Carlos Correa. And we've got a few listener questions that we're going to get into as well. But first, we'll start with the news about Adley Rutschman. Last week, it was uh, revealed that Rutschman would be shut down for two to three weeks due to a tricep strain, which is likely going to put him out on opening day. The good news, there has been some positive news since that he appears to be moving along in his recovery. But with that timeline and the fact that he will probably have to be ramped back up a little bit um, coming off the injury, probably means that we will not see him uh, on opening day in the major leagues. So I'll start with you, Nick. Is this kind of your reaction in this news? It seems like a minor bump in a long road, but also a little bit disappointing given the question of whether we were going to see him on opening day this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating, just like the Heston Kerstad injury news as well. Like, that's frustrating. That's even more frustrating, I feel like. Uh, but, you know, it happened so quickly after camp started that I'm not concerned about the injury. Like, it means a delayed start to his MLB debut. I mean, that's fine. Like, get fully healthy again. Wait till you're feeling right. I'm sure he'll go down to Norfolk to rehab for two to three weeks, get your work in, face live pitching, get his rhythm back, and then he'll be up in the majors sometime April, maybe early May. I don't know. I mean, I just don't feel – I feel like, you know, don't risk anything now when – stay on par with the long-term goals here with Adley Rutschman, the top prospect in baseball, right? This is your franchise guy that you're going to count on for many, many years from now. And I think if anything, it means as well maybe we see him catch maybe a few – fewer games this year, even though we, we were never going to see him catch five days a week when he came up to the major leagues. But maybe now you see even more time at first base DH to save the body, save that wear and tear and what could potentially be another 100 loss season. So this is small blip. I'm not excited or I'm not worried about it at all. I'm still very excited about the fact that in a few weeks, it's Adley Rutschman. It's Grayson Rodriguez at Camden Yards still. Yeah, I think the disappointing part for me is like, I would just want to see what Elias and company were going to do if everything went perfectly in spring training. Do they 
sign him to an extension? Do they delay him? Do they start him on opening day and, and go from there? So, I mean, that's the biggest disappointment for me. I'm just relieved that it's a minor injury that's just going to be two weeks of rest and he'll be fine. Seems like just tightened up on him, you know, coming out of cold from spring training. So not a big deal. He'll be here for at least the next six, seven years, right? So, yeah, I'm with Nick 100% on this one. Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. There's no need to push the envelope at this point in Rutzman's career when, like Nick said, you're probably looking at a bad season. Anyways, he's young. And let's face it, if someone, if a 10-year veteran had gotten hurt at this point in camp and was out a couple of weeks, they'd probably start the season with a minor league rehab assignment somewhere. So I don't know why Rutzman would be handled any differently. To Bob's point, though, which is a good one, the question of whether or not he was going to be on the opening day roster was such an interesting one because you had the implications of how does Michael Elias handle these kind of situations? Because there are still a lot of unknowns, I think, with how Michael Elias and his regime are going to handle, you know, trading for major league talent, signing major league players that are not just like one year low risk deals and players that are going to be worthy of that service time and manipulation consideration which is not just Adley Rutschman if you're looking down this prospect list and ahead to the next few seasons. So we're not going to have that answer yet, but I think the smart decision is to play a cautious right now with him. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. We won't get to see him as early as we might have, but we're still going to see him this year. We're going to still see him for five solid months of the season. So he'll get like 120 major league games under his belt. And who knows, maybe we sign him to an extension still before the season starts. And it's all kind of a moot point. But Adley Rutschman will be a Baltimore Oriole by May at the latest. That's exciting news. Yeah. And I think just it's something else to add to their frustrations with all of the Carlos Correa talk. And, you know, still the biggest addition to the pitching staff was you know, Jordan Lyles still at this point. So, like, I get it. I feel like a lot of Orioles fans were getting kind of excited, hoping that at least we could hang our hats on opening day catcher is Adley Rutschman. But and now that's not going to be the case. But. Yeah, I do think that is a good point. What would he have done? I don't think a, an extension would have taken place over the next two weeks. Um, and I don't think this would delay that. You know, supposedly, we know the Orioles are rumored to be already working on that contract extension with Adley, if uh, you believe that report or not. But um, yeah, like Bob said, he's still coming up very, very soon. Right? This He's going to get a good taste of the major leagues. Uh, and I don't think anybody should be worried about it. It's small blip on a very long, hopefully very productive career. Yeah, absolutely. And since Nick mentioned it, it's a good time to segue to the Carlos Correa news, which broke over the weekend. In something of a surprise, I think for a lot of people, Correa did end up signing a three-year deal with the Twins that will include opt-outs after each of the first two years. It had looked like most reports were favoring the Astros, but there were still some murmurs about whether or not the Orioles were actually involved uh, in bidding after Correa. Obviously, Michael Elias drafted Correa when he was with the Astros, so that connection was there and was also the possibility that maybe this would be where the Orioles made a big splash. I'll just say personally, I didn't really buy into it, um, but I know that there were some Orioles fans, including a lot of our listeners, who were a little uh, disappointed might be a strong word, but when the signing came down, like maybe their hopes had been up and they were let down by the news that Correa was going to Minnesota. So, Bob, really two questions here. Number one, how were you on the Carlos Correa to Baltimore hype train? And two, how do you feel about the fact that he's not coming here? 
I was on the Carlos Correa hype train to Baltimore. I never let myself get fully convinced, but I let myself go along for the ride, you know, imagine it a little bit because it made a little bit of sense. You know, I do feel like the Orioles, I don't know if they ever made an official offer or, you know, how close we were, but I do feel like they were in a communication with Correa's camp and it just made sense if he would have signed a deal that didn't include opt-outs, at least until at least halfway through the a 10-year deal or something like that because we'll be good in a couple years and he would be a nice leader up the middle for that he's been through it you know seems like people that play with him like him he's a great player I don't know it would have been exciting it would have been like uh, okay we're going to be willing to spend money we're going to be willing to turn things in the other direction completely but at the same time I never (laughs) I think the highest chance I ever gave us was like 25% and that's still incredibly optimistic but at the same time the deal he got with Minnesota is it's just a great fit. I think Boris and him did a great job of cashing in on a making a record deal for average annual value for a infielder with 35 point whatever million. He can make a lot of money this year, opt out if he has a good season and cash in on a big deal in the next offseason. And for the Twins, I mean, they kind of had a fluky, terrible season last year. I feel like I still feel like they have a lot of talent, a good manager, a good good uh, organization there and they're going to try to go for it one more time. You know, it's a lot of money, but it's for short term. So it makes sense for them go for it. They could trade him at the deadline if they have to. So not upset. I would never give him the deal that they gave him. That would be pointless. So I thought it worked out pretty well in the end. He didn't go to the Yankees. He didn't go to the Red Sox. So. Yeah. Why? We we really wanted this cheater on our team. This come on guys. Um, No, like I, I'm not upset that he's not coming. I never bought into it. Like, I believe there are conversations. Like, why wouldn't have there been, uh, considering that relationship that's there between the two parties? Like, of course, I'm sure they talked. Um, whether I believe there was a real offer out there or not, I have no idea. And uh, we're never going to get confirmation from a reputable national reporter whether there was an offer or not. We know the Orioles uh, keep everything very, very, very close to the chest. Uh, even apparently, it possibly with a big signing like Correa. So, um, you know, we know that on the minor league side of things, especially things are kept very tight knit. So um, yeah, I imagine with this is the same way I I muted Carlos Correa on Twitter, like (laughs) the name. So I didn't see any of this talk. I got so sick and tired of it. Um, Like the closest I got though was because I still saw it in our Patreon group. Uh, So I was still updated on what the latest news and rumors were. But I think the closest I got was actually St. Patrick's Day when I messaged you guys and was like, do we really believe this? Like, is this, could this happen? And like, I was a couple double double IPAs deep. Like I was drinking outside. My friend's band was playing. It was a nice day. So I was just like riding that high. Uh, But then the next morning I woke up and was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to get worked up anymore. But it's going to happen though. Like this is going to happen. I know the point a lot of people are trying to make was it's the fact that if there was an offer, it means the Orioles are turning the corner. They're ready to turn the corner. You're offering these high dollar contracts to free agents. Hopefully, ideally we're extending Adley Rutschman right now. This is it right next year. We start seeing prospects traded and the major league roster full attention on that major league roster. I do still think it's going to happen this coming off season. And we may even see some trades close to the end of the year, but I'm just glad all of this is done and behind us. The worst part was that it dragged on for so long. It was like, all right, at this point, can you just sign somewhere so we can move on to uh, better things? 
Yeah, when I heard that when it was reported that Houston was kind of back involved, I'm like, all right, there it is. Yeah, he's going to go back to the Astros. Why wouldn't he go back to the Astros? But obviously, they couldn't come to terms on the deal. And I agree with you, Bob. I would not have given Correa the contract that the Twins gave him because you know, the Orioles are trying to plan for the future. You're going to spend $35 million on a player for this year, and you're going to probably lose, you know, you might end up losing 92 games rather than 95 or 100. But it might still not be enough to keep him around where he has a good year on a bad team. He's like, you know, I wonder if I can push that closer to $40 million this offseason, maybe get the long-term deal that I didn't get last year. So there's a big risk in that kind of contract. And I think with the Twins, there's a couple of things coming to play that make it a little bit better for them. And I'm still not a huge fan of it from their perspective. I think it would have made perfect sense for the Astros to do this, but the Twins – I'm not a sort, but where their situation is a little bit different for me is, like Bob said, they were expected to be good last year. They were really bad. They cleared up some payroll, moving Josh Donaldson to the Yankees, have some talent there, so they decide to go for it this year. And two, we know that the AL Central can vary. You know, the White Sox look like the favorite over there right now, but really I could, sitting here right now, come up with a situation where – Every one of those teams, except for Kansas City, sneaks their way into the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe the Royals are better than I'm giving them credit for. But it does feel like in the AL Central, things can kind of bounce up and down quickly. Yeah, and I know I've seen this, a lot of people throwing this point out there. uh, But when you look at their projected rotation right now, it is Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, uh, number two, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan, uh, Lewis Thorpe, sure you can probably throw in Randy Dobnak in there. Uh, I don't know. Kenta Maeda, I love, love, love Kenta Maeda, but I think he had Tommy John surgery last year, so I don't know what his timeline is for a return or what his 2022 is going to look like, but that lineup, it's a beautiful lineup. It's a lot of potential in that lineup too, especially if Gary Sanchez hits, which, yeah, whatever. Um, but like, that's a potentially deadly lineup, but the pitching, like, how are you going to get guys out? And even Sonny Gray could collapse for the twins so yeah i mean go for it spend that money have fun um we'll, we'll get our guy like the orioles will get their guy guys uh like I, i'm not concerned about that i'm still buying a carlos correa jersey it's just gonna be a year uh, <laughs> later before i can wear it <laughs> and i wonder if the twins are regretting trading jose barrios last year at this point i mean guy's a great pitcher um would have been nice to have him leading the rotation right about now so going back to a conversation we had a few months ago, actually right before the lockout, I think it was on our last episode before the lockout, we talked about the Texas Rangers spending spree. Uh, the Rangers traded Joey Gallo last year at the deadline. The Twins traded Barrios at the deadline last year. Two things. Number one, why did they do that if they had a feeling that they were going to spend this offseason? And two, does either one of the do, has either team's fortunes for 2022? change dramatically for either one of you one way or the other because of these moves i'd say i i I do think the al central is is winnable and especially with the extra wild card team i feel like the twins could sneak in to a wild card or maybe if the white Sox collapse they have a chance to make a run for the division title texas no i i don't understand that at all they did multiple huge contracts and it's not just a short-term thing. It's like big, long contracts, and they're not there yet. So that I – I mean, it'll be fun for their fans for the month of April. But, yeah, I don't get that one. At least Minnesota, I feel like you can kind of squint and see a chance for them. Yeah, I'd agree. I actually 
I'm probably going to be watching some Texas Rangers games this year. I'm not going to lie. I, I like that roster. And maybe it's just like the Jack Leiter effect too. I want to see um, what he does in the future. I love that draft pick. But uh, yeah, Texas isn't winning. Like the Mariners, I like the Mariners roster a lot too. I think they could potentially be a, a really good team. And if not, they've got like Julio Rodriguez and, and so many top prospects getting ready right there on the door of the major leagues. Um, the A's, who knows what the A's are going to be like, but you know, the Astros are going to be good. Um, the Angels are they're going to be able to hit, but you know what, what, what pitching is going to happen there. Um, but yeah, I, maybe it's just the prospect of that expanded playoffs and maybe it's working a little bit where these fringe teams like the twins Rangers, I wouldn't call them a fringe team. They they're just doing their own thing over there. Colorado Rockies 2.0 over there, but like, yeah, if you're the twins, why not like spend all that money, get into the playoffs. And as long as you don't face the Yankees, like anything can happen once you get into the playoffs. So, um, cause what has it been like? 15 years or straight years or something that they've lost to the Yankees in the playoffs. But um, maybe this is their secret weapon to, to take down New York. I don't know. Everyone's playing for the middle. The twins and Rangers are spending up. Yankees refuse to spend on a big deal. It's kind of weird right now. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how that carries over to other offseasons. I mean, I even feel like the Padres were not as active as I was expecting them to be. Um, they got Tom Eshelman. Yeah. They're trying. Oh, I forgot they about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the start printing the World Series tickets for Petco Park now. In that pitcher's haven, he might be okay, actually. <laughs> True. So we'll um, move on to our spring training predictions now. But as we do every time we make predictions, we go back and we look at the last predictions episode. And because this offseason was a little weird with the lockout and the shortened spring training, some of the predictions that we made on our off-season predictions show back in the fall still really aren't resolved. So we'll recap them in a few weeks. Um, but for now, we do have some predictions that we made in the fall that are settled. And I'll turn it over to Bob. He's going to um, recap them for us. And uh, I'll bask in the victory of one of my correct predictions here and try to tune out the others. Yeah, you did uh, okay on a couple of them, especially, hey, this first one, will there be any extensions over the course of the offseason, Zach? You said no because of the CBA, which there you go. You win that one. We all said no, but you had the best explanation. I said no, but potentially in spring training, so it remains to be seen. Nick just said no, flat out. Will service time manipulation be ended in the new CBA? I was an optimist and said yes. Nick was a pessimist and said no. And Zach said something other than the status quo. That's 100% correct. Who knows? I mean, we that was kind of what we were talking about last week. I feel like, was it ended? Uh, I don't know. It was changed slightly, but no definitive answer there. Which minor league players will be included in new top 100 list? We all had Rutschman, Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, and D.L. Hall. And I threw in maybe Jordan Westberg or Kobe Mayo could be on one or two, which we saw Mayo's name pop up there a little bit. Here's an interesting one. Free agent signing predictions. Zach, and I'm sure uh, anyone listening is going to be like, wow, I wish this would have been the offseason they actually had. Zach said Vince Velasquez, Brett Anderson, Chris Archer, Andrelton Simmons, Brad Miller, and Sandy Leone. Would be signed. I said Michael Pineda, Aaron Sanchez, Jose Iglesias, Eduardo Escobar and Robinson Chirinos points. Uh, I also did mention a couple other catchers in that same mix, but I won't mention those. Nick said 
And to be fair with all these pitchers, he was saying he would like Michael Pineda and then I think one or two of John Gray, Zach Davies, Alex Wood, which Zach Davies still out there, probably one of the better pitchers still available. Hopefully, you know, maybe that's something we could do. Andrew Alton Simmons as well, and either Roberto Perez or Manny Pena behind the plate. Will the Orioles take a player in the Rule 5 draft? How many in what position? We all said yes, a pitcher or two. Obviously, we know the Rule 5 draft was canceled, so yikes. Who will be the AAA manager and AAA pitching coach? All three of us said Buck Britton and Justin Ramsey. We all nailed it. Who will be the major league hitting coach? I said Ryan Fuller. Ding, ding, ding. Zach said Tim Gibbons. Very close. And Nick gets partial points by <laughs> saying they'll stay in-house. But he did not specify which guy. That, that was Cover all the bases. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Will the CBA change anything with future draft orders, draft classes? Nick and Zach said it will stay the same. I said there'll be a small change, but I don't. We didn't give very specific answers there. What were we thinking? Will Buck Showalter get a manager job? I'm thinking this is the one Zach is proud of because he said yes. He's going to the Mets and uh, come on down. I said he'll get a job and go to the Padres, and Nick said he will not be hired. And this is probably the worst prediction we had we made these world series predictions during the lcs <laughs> and none of us got it right still even that close in the final four nick said dodgers over red sox zach also said dodgers over red sox and i said astros over dodgers so braves fans we do not deserve any credit you at least had one of the representatives in there i'll take it and i i guess you know none of us saw the draft lottery coming Unless yeah, I think the draft lottery was kind of your it. small change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I'll take anything I can get. But I think we talked about it, and we kind of thought, how realistic is it? How many teams would be involved? So what what do we know? Yeah. Not much. Yeah, I feel like at that point, the entire focus was on, like, service manipulation. That was all of this conversation was, especially us being a minor league-focused podcast. You know, that was it. But, yeah, the draft eh. – We'll, we'll see what kind of changes are actually made there. But, yeah, Zach got it. The Mets. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. Like, Mets have always had a soft spot in my heart growing up as a, going to Tides games all summer long because they were the Mets AAA affiliate until I left to go to college in 2006 uh, when the Orioles came into town. So, uh, But, again, they, they are the Mets. So uh, if Buck can't save them, I don't know what the Mets are going to do. Ryan Flaherty can bring the monkeys in to, <laughs> to play. <laughs> that story was was all the rage this week. Bob, I got to give you credit here, though. You got really one of the only major league signings that the Orioles made this offseason. Yeah, we all said like six or seven names, right? And they, they saw, signed Jordan Lyles, Ruffnet Odor, and Robinson Chirinos. Called it a day. I mean, Chirinos going to make a big impact here. Like, we never, we never really talked about Chirinos. Oh, yeah. So, do we want yeah. to? I mean, yeah, why not? <laughs> I think it's sure. I think it's fine. Like it's a 37 year old catcher who may or may not see a lot of time this year, but um, you know, it's kind of a crowded field now with Ben Boom and Nottingham, and even Brett Cumberland had himself a nice day today on Monday spring training game that no one got to hear or listen to unless you were in Sarasota. Um, but like, I don't know. He's got decent pop, good walk numbers, above average offensive catcher most of his career, and I actually was digging around a little bit, and it was a the I think it's Crawfish Boxes, I think is the SB Nation website for the Houston Astros. They actually I found an article that was like, were we duped by Torino's defense? Uh, and 
it was interesting because it, it talked about how terrible he is defensively, which I feel like Orioles fans are cool with this as long as he can be better than Pedro Severino and Chancisco behind the plate, right? Uh, but they're like, this defense is terrible, except he's fantastic at blocking pitches in the dirt, which could be a valuable skill uh, this year with all these young pitchers. But uh, the framing was absolutely terrible. And I feel like that's what so many Orioles fans dinged Pedro Severino over and over again about. Uh, but I just looked on fan graphs real quick and his framing, their framing metric at least, he has gotten significantly better year after year of the last three, four years. So I don't know, maybe the Orioles really did their homework here and uh, maybe he will be a, a serviceable, kind of interesting backup option here for, you know, since Ali Russian is being kept down for the next three months. Yeah, I, I I like the signing. I mean, obviously, I mean, how much does it really matter in the end? I was I would have been a fan of Roberto Perez, you know, getting him. We have, feel like we heard we were in a mix for him, but Chirinos, you know, he's got a, He's like a, a rich man's Pedro Severino. He's got a, a good bat. He's thirty seven years old, so who knows if that can maintain if he can still hit the way he has, you know, in the in the middle of his career there, but he's got decent defense. And yeah, I, that's the one thing I noticed his framing numbers got much better the last couple of years. And I think he was right around average league average last year, which compared to what he was before is a pretty big jump. So, Hey, you know, a veteran catcher to just pair with Adley. Cause I, as we said, Adley's probably not going to play too, too many games behind the plate of catcher. So you need someone decent there and why not sign a veteran guy who, and we heard today, Grayson Rodriguez was a, was a fan of his growing up when he was with the Rangers. So that's pretty cool. You got to pitch to him today and maybe he'll get to pitch to him in his major league debut. Yeah. I, I like this signing. Um, he was not someone who was really on my radar at the beginning of the off season, even though I thought the Orioles would and should sign a catcher like this, which is basically just veteran um, does one or two things fine. And it's going to be good to have back there on the night that Adley Rutzman's not catching. I think Torino's fits that bill perfectly. So I, I think it's it's a good move for this year. You bring him in. He's got a little bit of pop in the bat, like Nick said. Defense, you know, it's not perfect, but at the same time, I still think it's going to be a little bit better than what we saw most of last year with Pedro Severino in San Francisco. And I think, too, you're also putting yourself in a situation where you're not going to have to do what the Orioles did last year, which is carry someone like Austin wins on the roster for, I think it ended up being about half the season, not a little bit more, even though you know he can't hit major league pitching because he's better back there defensively than any option you have. And you're catching defense. You know, I think at that point was one of the worst, if not the worst in baseball. So I think that Tyrannos at least stabilizes the position on the nights that Rutzman isn't back there. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what it does. It just stinks that that's the biggest free agent talk that we've had all offseason. But we'll we'll see what he does. Yoni makes a good point. When the payroll's $30 million, you don't really want to hear about how his contract's a great value. I mean, it is, but hey, it would have been even looking better value if we were signed Carlos Correa. We'll get into our predictions now. And I'm going to start with uh, one of the players that the Orioles signed to a contract this offseason. That is Rugnet Odor. Will he make the opening day roster? And then this was tacked onto the question too, so I'll throw it out there. Will Kelvin Gutierrez make the opening day roster? And I'll start with Bob for Odor and Gutierrez. I don't think they're both going to make the roster. So 
I do think there's still an outside chance that the Orioles either trade for someone or sign someone uh, that could kick both of them out. But for now, I think even the signing of, is it Chris Owings? Is that the guy we signed? Is that his first yep. name? Um, I feel like I even like him better than Gutierrez. He can play all over the field. He's not limited to third base. Can probably hit similar, similarly. That's a hard word to say. Or maybe a little bit better. Uh, and he he made a nice little play at second base. He could play, move around the diamond. You know, you got your Ramon Urias, Jorge Mateo. We have a crowded bunch there. No one exactly uh, screaming to start there every day. But I, I made my predictions on the Baltimore Sports and Life message board for the opening day 26-man roster. I did have Rugnet Odor making it, but I had Gutierrez getting uh, getting the boot. And, yeah, so that's my answer, I guess. Uh yeah, I mean, with Odor, like the competition, like you mentioned, is Chris Owens and Jemai Jones. And, you know, Jones can go down to AAA if they need him to. Uh, Jorge Mateo, I think, is pretty safe to make this roster, uh, at least to start the year. Like he's got speed, he's got the versatility. So I don't think you have to worry about that. I don't think anybody's going to be taking his job right now. Um, uh, yeah, like unless Jemai Jones does a whole lot this spring, I think Odor can start the year out on the roster. I don't know how long he'll stick around. Uh, Kelvin Gutierrez, I think he does make the roster though. Like just because I don't know who else is going to play third base. Like Chris Owens, actually, he was only has 19 games at third base in his career. Um, so like that's could be a, a platoon type guy. Like that's an option. Um, Odor can play third base. He played last year, but I think it was. I saw Nathan Ruiz with that quote he had the other day. He's like, yeah, it was like uncomfortable when asked about playing third base. Uh, so clearly he doesn't want to be over there. And I know it doesn't matter. The organization's going to put you there if they want you there. But um, Ryland Bannon's not taking that job this spring, probably ever at this point. So like, unless there is that signing or trade, who else is going to play third base the majority of the time? And like, like, I don't know. If I have to be the Kelvin Gutierrez stand on the show, then I'm going to accept that title. And you guys are going to sit back and enjoy watching him play 100-plus games this year and enjoy his 0.3 wins above replacement production as a Baltimore Oriole. And you will like it because he's making the roster. Nick, I don't know if I'm going to disappoint you by saying <laughs> this, but I think Gutierrez is also going to make the roster. Because, um, like you said, I just don't know who's going to play third base if you don't carry him on the roster and you really want to have to put like this re- revolving rotation at every infield position except for first base. I think Gutierrez is going to be out there. I think if he's hitting 100 at the end of April, he's going to be uh, probably on a very short leash. But I expect him to get the nod to be there on the opening day roster because you know of nothing else. The defense is adequate. And I think Odor does make the opening day roster because if I'm looking at who's going to play second base right now, he has the most upside of any option, I think, of what they can realistically do out of the gate this year because Demai Jones still has things that he needs to work on. Chris Owings, uh, Vivek just commented here a few minutes ago in our live stream and said he's a Pat Valeka type, and that hits the nail on the head. Um, that I just hits don't Nick that... in the heart. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, I, I could see Owings on the roster at some point, but I don't know that he's your everyday second baseman. Um, again, though, you know, if Odor struggles a little bit and you got Taryn Vavra or Zmai Jones performing down at Norfolk, I don't think the Orioles are going to hesitate to make that move. But I think out of the gate, Odor and Gutierrez are both on the opening day roster. 
I was going to say, I just wish Jemiah Jones would have been good last year when he came up. This would have solved that whole issue. But yeah, like Vivek's comment there, Odor has 20 plus home run potential. I mean, yeah. I, if he strikes out a lot, okay. Like if he's only hitting 220, 230, like I'll live with it for a couple months. If he's hitting, getting good home run production out of him, he's playing good second base defense. Uh, and that defense, infield defense is sound with the behind this young pitching staff, then I'm fine with it for right now. And then hopefully, Taron Vavra is up. Um, he looks I, – I was really impressed with his couple of ABs the other day when we got to watch on the Nesson broadcast. Only a couple of at-bats there, but he was aggressive. Uh, he looked hungry up there at the plate. Uh, so that's exciting. He could be up. Maybe Jemiah Jones does something. I don't know. He's still young. We talked about before. He's super athletic. There's still potential there. Uh, but you know, how much, I'm not exactly sure. But hey, we'll see. I think both do make this opening day roster, though. But by the end of the year, are both these guys on the roster? I'd probably say – no, no way. It, it might be wishful thinking that I think one or two might not even be on the opening day roster. It's just these are the guys that are the least inspiring to me. I, I can't find any reason to get excited to watch them play, at least with Jorge Mateo. He's kind of, you know, he had that prospect pedigree. He's super fast. He's fun to watch. Ramon Urias, I feel like he could at least be a, a breakout starter on a bad team and a decent backup on a good team. I don't know, but between Joey Ortiz, Taron Vavra, Ryland Bannon, I just rather see a guy like that take their place, even if it's in the end, it might not be that much different uh, production wise. So before we go to our next prediction, Nick, you watched the Nesson broadcast and Bob, I'm guessing you did too on Sunday. Did you know the Red Sox is on Trevor's story? You know, this is the first mm-hmm. I'm hearing of it. That's pretty good signing for them, you know, because Xander Bogarts, he has an opt out. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That was pretty funny because they're all all the Red Sox players are like, I mean, if it happens, he's a great player. But I know Twitter's talking about it, but we haven't heard anything about this Trevor Story guy. <laughs> like, okay, we got it. You're still not going to win the division, so whatever. Right, I guess this is me. Um, which one are we doing here? The non-roster invitee or uh, uh, yeah, the one? non-roster invitee. Okay. It's actually well, it's they're basically the same questions. Just- you, you have to take a catcher, so. That is true. So will any non-roster invitee make the opening day roster? If so, who? And who wins the backup catcher spot to start the season until Adley is healthy? And like Zach mentioned, because there's only one catcher currently on the 40-man roster, um, is that, yeah, Torinos, uh, one of those is obviously going to be a catcher. So uh, we start with Zach here. Do you have any predictions as to who makes the 40-man roster? I think you're going to have one addition off the non-roster invitees onto the 40-man roster, and it's going to be Jacob Nottingham. I think that Ben Boom and Nottingham are close, and a week from now, one of them might be pulling ahead a little bit. But at this point, I lean towards Nottingham because the overall track record, including the minor leagues, suggests that he's going to give you a little bit more value offensively. So I think that they let him come up. He you know goes into the lineup one or two days a week behind Torinos. You get a little bit of power production and uh, see what he does until Adley's ready. Yeah, I think it's between Nottingham and Ben Boom, like you said. And Nottingham has the power. He's a little bit younger. But Ben Boom, you know, he's not too shabby. He put up some decent numbers in AAA last year. He gets on base at a decent rate. So I agree with Vivek that Ben Boom is going to be the guy. You know, I feel like it's also easier to DFA Ben Boom when, if and when Adley comes up and is ready. And Nottingham has a little bit more upside maybe that if you leave him in AAA a little bit, then, you know, you can see what you have a little bit longer and you don't have to – to DFA him and then, you know, the Brewers and 
the Mariners and whoever else passed them back and forth last year can can do that again. Um, and I, I, I think uh, Shed Long is going to make the team. I think he has a chance to make the team because, once again, he can play second base, corner outfield, and then when the time comes for someone else to take his place, it's an easy DFA at that point. Chris Owings, I think, has a chance. Marcus Duplan has a, a chance, and Chris Ellis has a chance, but I think Shedlong and Anthony Benboom are my two guys. Yeah, I put down Benboom right now. Maybe that was just because he was the catcher on that game against Boston the other day. Uh, and he got on base uh, at least once or twice, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's Benboom. Um, I do like Jacob Nottingham as that depth piece, uh, but either way, we know it's going to be a, a part-time player here, so... But for my prediction, I want to say Boom Boom. And then I got two pitchers here that I wrote down. Uh, I said Chris Ellis. Um, I know the peripherals were kind of not great with him. I think there was some discrepancy maybe there with, like, if you look at his you know, baseball card stats versus if you dig a little deeper, you're like, uh, was this guy actually that good? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, he did have some success there at the end of the year. The Orioles brought him back. I think if he's ready to go, I think he's still a couple of days away, the Orioles said, then he could make this – roster uh especially if you can go multiple innings there and another name that i wrote down i hope he doesn't but uh i think connor green makes this roster for whatever reason like i could have done without the orioles bringing him back i'm not falling for that look at that fastball velo look at that beautiful curveball i'm not falling for that again but clearly the orioles have brought him back what twice now um after they've let him go so they like him i think he, he sneaks his way on he could he could sneak his way into the roster there yeah, now let's turn our attention to the opening day rotation and name the five starters. We've done this with every spring training <laughs> prediction before, and maybe this is the year we get it right. Let's go with uh, Zach first. So the opening day rotation, I've got a lot of lefties in there. John Means, number one, Jordan Wiles, two, Bruce Zimmerman, three. Beyond that is where I think it starts to get interesting. And right now I give the advantage to Zach Lothar and Alexander Wells. Uh, Lothar looked good over September. I think he's finally settling into a routine after a year of a lot of up and down. And I think the Orioles at least give him a shot to see what he can do for a couple months in the rotation and then decide whether or not to move him to the bullpen. And I'm going to go with Alexander Wells for the fifth spot. Something that just tells me that he's going to make his way through camp and we're going to see what it, you know, see just how his stuff is going to play at the major league level. And I want to see, I feel like he kind of had a little bit of a disadvantage last year because I think his first two outings were against the Astros and the Blue Jays, which is a rough introduction in the major leagues. So I want to see how he does kind of a more eased in approach. So right now, I would give the Eds to Wells over a group that's Keegan Aiken, Michael Ballman, Dean Kramer. And Cobb Braddis. As much as I would like it to be Braddis, my guess is that he goes back to AAA for a little while. Yeah, the the lockout I think just ruined a lot of things here again. It set things back. So that's why I don't have Braddish in mind because uh, I think he starts the year in AAA. Same as Michael Bauman. I think he begins the year in AAA possibly to get a, a set schedule there. But I'm going to go with John Means, Jordan Lyles, uh, Bruce Zimmerman. Um, I wrote down Jordan Zimmerman. I don't know why. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman. <laughs> I think he's like retired or like 45 years old now. Um, I don't like these last two picks, but I I think it's going to end up being Keegan Aiken. And I put that before his stinker today uh, against uh, Minnesota there. And I got Jorge Lopez. I just, I think, I'd, I know we all want to see him in the bullpen, but I just think the Orioles go with that, that veteran 
They keep him in the rotation for right now to start the year. Uh, and my hope, my thought was that I hope actually Zach Lowther starts the year in AAA and gets a couple weeks down there to get into a full routine. Because I've said before, I think they just completely trashed his 2021 20, uh, season with this, you know, whatever they called it, the, the taxi squad stuff and all that, the injury. So I think he starts the year in AAA. I think Kramer starts the year in AAA as well. Bauman, Bradish as well. And I just think they go with the veteran arms to, to start the year. But that rotation won't last for very long. Yeah, that would be ugly. Um, let's <laughs> go with mine. I said the same top three, John Means, Jordan Laws, Bruce Zimmerman. And I said Michael Bauman at the fourth spot just because I feel like maybe because he got his – his debut out of the way last year, got his feet wet. Maybe they'll uh, push him up there a little bit. And I have Alexander Wells rounding out the top five. I do think if I was all ready to pick, uh, predict Bradish to start the year in the rotation and then that just a three-week, three, four-week spring training is uh, not doing him any favors there. But I think he'll be up fairly quickly. So, All right, so we'll go to our next prediction, which is what is the eight-man bullpen? for the Orioles look like on opening day. And I will start with Nick. I got Tyler Wills, Cole Sulcer, Dylan Tate, Tanner Scott, Paul Fry, Chris Ellis, uh, Siono Perez. I, I, he was a little intriguing the other day. I want to see what he can do. Uh, and then I said a waiver claim rounds it out, I think. Or it, it could be, you know, a, a Zach Lelther or Alex Wells start in the bullpen if we're going with my – Terrible opening day <laughs> rotation there, but I think that's my eight. I also went with Tyler Wells. I think he, you know, you hear, you know, Tyler Wells and Jorge Lopez were stretching him back back out. I think that's mainly just to these starting pitchers only going to get four or five innings the first time or two through the rotation. I think it's just to make sure you have the innings. So I have both of them in the bullpen. Maybe they'll start out piggyback in or throw in two or three innings, but eventually they'll end up back in the, the typical role you would have expected coming into the year. Also have Tanner Scott and Cole Saucer. Paul Fry gets one more chance. Dylan Tate, of course, I'm really excited to see what he can do after the improvements he made over the offseason. I got Felix Bautista making it. Uh, the big man was throwing hard, looked pretty good in his first game in spring training. And then I was between Sino Perez and Keegan Aiken for the last bullpen spot. I ultimately went with Aiken. This was before he pitched terribly today, but I still think he could be a decent reliever if that's what he's focusing on. So I'm uh, going in a little bit different direction in some spots. I have Tyler Wells, Dylan Tate, Tanner Scott, Paul Fry, Cole Saucer, and Jorge Lopez. I took CNL Perez um, with one spot because he is out of options, and I think the Orioles at least want to see what they have before making any decisions there. And I think it gives you another lefty that has good ground ball numbers and possibly some upside. And um, I'm going with Brian Baker for the last spot. I think the Orioles like this kind of pitcher, a big right-hander with velocity, good uh, secondary there. So I think Brian Baker is going to make the opening day roster. They'll start him off in sort of a middle relief role and see if he can start moving his way into more high leverage situations. Yes, he looked good today, for sure. He pitched great. I mean, it wasn't against the best quality opposition, but hey, if you can pitch good, that's always a good thing. And I saw someone compare him to uh, Tanner Scott today, right-handed Tanner Scott. So, you know, and we saw that his control improved a lot last year and it helped him tremendously in AAA. So I, I would not be surprised if that was the case. And he he did uh, make his way onto the team and, and try to earn his way into more high-leverage situations. 
Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to see Felix Batista up in the majors. I want to see what he can do against major league hitters uh, because with Adley behind the plate as well, like I think that could be a, a pretty fun combo to watch closeout games, but we'll see uh, who else ends up. I, I almost consider putting Nick Vespi in because I, I just want to see him in the majors and he's not had two really good spring outings. So if I had to throw a dark horse in there, I'm throwing Nick Vespi's name in there as well, especially if, well, Paul Fry is going to get that second chance. The Orioles gave him a decent amount of money to come back this year, but I really want to see Nick Vespi in that bullpen. All right, me, uh, we'll go. Next question here is, are there going to be any more signings by the end of spring training or trades? We'll start with Bob. I'm going to be an optimist and say they do sign one more starting pitcher, a Zach Davies, if you will, because um, I think he's like the only guy left, or a Brett Anderson maybe. Zach could still get that prediction correct. Uh, and that would throw all of our rotations out of whack, but at least it would be a veteran guy up that can go out there and, and give you five, six innings every time out once they're stretched out and uh, save the bullpen a little bit. And trades-wise, excuse me, uh, I'll say there is one trade. I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel like Elias is going to surprise us with, with a trade of some sort before opening day comes around. For right now, I think the Orioles stand pat. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, and I think that if there is a trade, it will be because of a sudden need for another team that the Orioles can fill. And looking at you know the Orioles roster right now, where they have a little bit of depth to trade from, would probably be the outfield and the bullpen. The bullpen, I think, would be the more likely area of the two. But my guess right now is that barring something unforeseen, what you see in camp right now is what you're going to get on the opening day roster. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be any signings. I'm going to say no to signings. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of waiver claims. We know Michael Elias loves to go that route. Uh, guys that are already been in camp, they're ready to go. You you wonder, you'd have to do your homework, obviously, on guys who are still free agents. How much work have they been doing? What have they been doing in the offseason? Uh, how ready are they? Um, so I wonder if that has any play here. Trades, I almost wonder if I could see a small trade happening, but in the back of my mind, could actually tomorrow, Tuesday, I think, is it Tuesday or Wednesday, like arbitration figures, there's some deadline or something with that, I think, coming up this week. Um, do we see Trey Mancini possibly traded uh, this spring? I don't know. We know Michael Elias said he's been active on the trade talks. That doesn't necessarily mean Trey Mancini, but I wonder if the Orioles are, if they're going to move him, would they move him? in the next 24 hours. I don't know. I hope not, but just pay the man eight, $9 million, whatever you're supposed to get and keep him on board, extend him for two, three more years. But um, I'm curious to see if he has moved this week. Yeah, that will be interesting because you know, the, there'll probably be some movement. This is something that usually happens during the off season, not during spring. So it could lead to more uh, trades than we're used to seeing while spring training is going on. Uh, we talked about the rotation in the bullpen We'll get to the lineup a little bit later, but what? Let's just say there's only there's four men on the bench. I think it's the limit is thirteen or thirteen, unless they change it for the late spring training. Who is the four man bench that we're going to see? We already talked about the backup catcher, but Nick, what do you think? I'm going with Ben Boom, Mateo, McKenna. Bold prediction. Yusniel Diaz, DJ Stewart. Ooh. Adios. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't think it's actually going to happen, but I'm going to put it on record so we can cut it, put it out. I got it right. Uh, if it does happen, using the ideas, Mr. Hot Spring Training. Uh, we've seen this story before, though. Um, like, 
I don't know. I just want to see DJ Stewart gone, and I want to see somebody else up there. Uh, it's not going to be Kyle Stowers yet, uh, so why not put Yusniel Diaz in there as the, the extra outfielder up there? Maybe he can stay healthy for three weeks. We know that's extremely difficult for him, but maybe we can get three healthy weeks, and he can make the opening day roster. I don't know. Let's do it. I did get some use out of my uh, jersey picture uh, <laughs> the other day when he hit that home run, so thank you, Yusniel. <laughs> Nick, you, you almost persuaded me there for a second. It's on the back of my mind. What if UCL Diaz makes the opening day roster? Um, but I'm going to stick with my original prediction here, which is Jacob Nottingham, Jorge Mateo, Ryan McKenna, and DJ Stewart. Uh, Nottingham in there is a backup catcher. Mateo is a utility guy that plays everywhere. I think that the Orioles like what they see from Ryan McKenna, uh, at least with his speed and defense and the he's going to make the roster and DJ Stewart. My guess is that they're going to give him a couple months with the new hitting coaches to see if they tap in anything. And if they can't, then that's probably when you see UCL Diaz or Kyle Stowers in the majors or Robert Newstrom. Yeah, that's a good call. I have Ben Boom. I have McKenna in the outfield. No more DJ Stewart. Shed long season. Uh, Shedlong can play, you know, that backup corner outfield to McKenna's backup all over the outfield, including center field. And then I have Ryland Bannon making it uh, as the infielder can play between third base, second base. And uh, yeah, that would be fun. So you uh, both have players from the Manny Machado trade making the opening day roster. We got to get something out of it. Come on. It's not over yet. They are still here. They're still breathing. <laughs> There is still hope. Um, yeah, I don't know if we should be feeding like that hope machine at all with Diaz and Bannon and these guys, but you know what? It's spring. There's baseball. Diaz is healthy right now and playing very well, so why not? Let's let's feed it. There's a question there. Isn't Long still recovering from surgery from the Mad Behemoth? Um, that's, Maybe. I haven't seen him. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Uh, I know for Eric. <laughs> ruining my dreams, Mad Behemoth, but... Uh... <laughs> Eric Garfield, where are you at? If you're in the chat, uh, I know you saw him a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's been on any of the, like, he hasn't appeared in a game yet. So I don't know what the deal is there with Shedlong. Um, I forgot he was on the roster until like this morning, actually. Um, but he's definitely an exciting player. So, oh, we got Zach here. You go ahead. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we'll go now to what is your opening day lineup? And I will start with Bob. All right. Let's go. Cedric Mullins leading off in center field. Austin Hayes batting second in left field. Ryan Mountcastle in the three spot. Playing first base, Trey Mancini, DH, cleaning up. Anthony Santander, right field. Then Ramon Urias playing shortstop. Robinson Chirinos behind the dish. And Rugnet Odor playing second base. And Jorge Mateo starting at third base. Something close to that. Uh, I've got Cedric Mullins in center field, Ramon Arias at shortstop, Ryan Mountcastle at first base, Trey Mancini at DH, Santander out in right field batting fifth, Austin Hayes in the sixth spot in left field, Kelvin Gutierrez at third base, Rudin Odor at second base uh, batting eighth, and then batting ninth, Robinson Chirinos behind the dish. Mine's close to that as well. Um, I'm going Cedric Mullins leading off in center field, Ryan Mountcastle batting second at first base. Trey Mancini uh, in the three holes, the designated hitter. Anthony Santander, your right fielder, a cleanup. Then Austin Hayes in left field in the fifth spot, followed by 
Ramona Rios at shortstop, Rugnet Odor at second base, Robinson Chirinos behind the plate, and Kelvin Gutierrez at third with John Means as your opening day starter. I know we look at the payroll numbers and you look at the pitching staff and it's hard to be like super optimistic in the last three, four years of records, but like that lineup on most good nights, I feel like that's going to be a very good lineup. We saw it last year as well. So if these guys are healthy and playing well, this is a lineup that's going to score a lot of runs, a lot of nights, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that gives you a chance at least every night. And especially if you can sub Rutschman in there before too long and, you know, get Odor out in favor of Vavra and some exciting young players. I mean, that's why I think this team's going to win 70 games. So we'll see if that holds true, but I'm optimistic it's spring. So speaking of being optimistic, uh, which player will grab the attention for making obvious improvements heading into the season and make it a slam dunk to be on the major league roster, uh, either opening day or early in the season? Um, the caveat there was thinking like Bruce Zimmerman and John Means back in 2019. Who's going to explode onto the scene this year? We'll start with Zach. Um, just in keeping with my previous predictions, I'll go with Brian Baker. You know, he's in kind of a crunch for that bullpen spot right now. Uh, flew under the radar a little bit this offseason as a waiver claim, but he's got good stuff, and I think he pitches his way into the bullpen. So in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing his name more and more, and then he'll be on the opening day roster. I like that. I like that. I'm going to say someone that doesn't make the roster, but is already opening eyes. I feel like there's already been an article come out that Joey Ortiz is right up with there when it comes to Jordan Westbrook and Gunnar Henderson, as far as shortstop prospects and made an incredible, incredible play with the glove already. You know, we know that he's improved with the bat. Seems like that's still uh, an optimistic uh, point for the organization with him and his um, exit velocities, but I think he will not make it, obviously, for opening day, but I don't think it's going to be too long before we see Joey Ortiz relatively early in the season and making a case to be the everyday shortstop. Interesting, because I actually see a tweet right here, just like as we asked this question from Steve Molesky about Nick Vespi, uh, saying that Brandon Hyde really liked, he was impressed with the cutting fastball and slider, and he has an outside shot of making a, a rotation or a pen spot uh, at a spring. So um, I think that could be a good answer, but Slam dunk to make the roster. I'm sticking with my earlier bold prediction. Use Neil Diaz. Come on down. This is uh, forget it. I'm I'm throwing coal into the fire here. Let's get the Use Neil Diaz hype train back up and running. Um, if anyone wants to hop on board, I'm sure no one else will. But I'm going to ride it alone if I have to. <laughs> something. Good. I need something big to happen there. Either bust out, stay healthy, make this roster, or just end in this drama now. Oh, wait, it's me now. Gosh darn it, these things always happen. <laughs> Who is this year's Jake Fox Award winner? So I'm guessing it's like just balls out in spring training and playing amazing, and then, oh, no, they didn't make the team, or no, they actually just suck, and they, they had a hot three weeks. Let's go with uh, Nick first. Uh, I would say Chris Owens, and he's already had a couple of really good games. We're kind of cheating here, I guess, because we've got a couple of games of action there, but he's already played really well, uh, and so I'm wondering if this is – someone who could be a viable utility option in the major leagues, or if this is just a, a really hot spring, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say uh, Chris Owens gets a lot of hype over the next few weeks. That was my pick too. And I'll just stick with it. Uh, Chris Owens just fits that bill perfectly. And uh, you know, he'll be in the conversation. I don't think he makes the opening day roster, but if he stays in the organization, I don't think it'll be too long before we see him in the majors. So I'll go with Chris Owens. 
I had a hard time with this one. Um, I'll go with Blaine Knight. He looked really good in his one outing so far. I think maybe he just continues to light it up. And then for some reason he doesn't make the team and then he kind of goes back to being Blaine Knight. But I, I still have some hope for Blaine Knight. Don't mean to pick on him here. I just had to come up with an answer and that's what I settled on. So that's my pick. So that does it for our predictions. And we will check back in a couple of weeks when spring training ends. We got a pretty short turnaround time. Oh, hold on. Bob, tell me we got one more. We got listener questions here. We got oh. uh, from the patrons. I'll start with uh, Ben from the patron group. He asked, does Joey Ortiz have more than a 0% chance of being in the bigs in April? More than a 0% chance in April? I'm going to say I put that as a 0% chance. Uh, he's on the major league roster in April just because like, he had, what, maybe 150 at-bats uh, above Delmarva since 2019. Uh, missed 2020, obviously. And then he missed pretty much all of last year, um, at least a major chunk of last year. So he's one of the highest risers in the system. There's no doubt about that. We're all huge Joey Ortiz fans, but I don't see him in the majors anytime soon. I think if you need that extra shortstop, you've got Kane Grenier down there. Uh, you got Shed Long as well that you could bring up if you need that middle infield help. Um, but yeah, I think they'd give it to guys like Shed Long or Grenier. And actually, it, it would honestly probably be Richie Martin first, uh, but we know he's probably eventually going to get hurt at some point as well. Um, then you move on to Grenier or Shedlong, but yeah, love Joey Ortiz, but in April, I think it's way too soon. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, too limited of a sample size in the minor leagues last year for him to make that jump right to the major leagues. It was enough for me to believe he's gotten a lot better, but not enough that I'd feel comfortable putting him in the majors. I do think he's making a name for himself right now. And I, just a few weeks ago, I thought we probably weren't going to see him in the majors until 2023. Now I'm starting to feel like he might be that guy that comes along a little bit later in the year and makes his major league debut, um, especially because I believe he's going to be Rule 5 eligible after this season. So I do think that he's going to make a name for himself, but I would put the percent right about zero of him being on the roster in April. Yeah, uh, I said 3% when Ben asked this in the patron group. I just think um, if there's a bunch of injuries or maybe he he opens eyes so much that he doesn't start the minor league season double A. He starts with AAA Norfolk instead. And then, you know, there's injuries or he's just going crazy down there in AAA and other people are struggling. Maybe at the very end of April, you might see him, but very, very small chance. But Addy also had a question who ends up at shortstop by the end of the year, which we were just kind of talking about Ortiz, Westberg, Urias, or Henderson. He's going to go personally with Westberg or Ortiz. What do you say, Zach? I'll go with Ortiz out of that group. I don't think you're going to see Henderson in the majors at all this year. Westberg, um, I think could get there, but I also feel like they're going to hold him back and wait and maybe debut him in 2023, especially if, he plays around a lot of different infield positions this year. So if I had to guess out of that group, Ortiz, Westberg, Urias, Henderson, I would go with Ortiz with Urias second. I think Ortiz and Urias are on the roster at the end of the year with Ortiz at short and Urias in one of the other two infield spots. It's not first base. Yeah, I agree that I don't think what uh, Henderson makes the major leagues this year. He didn't turn 21 until June or July. I want to say Jordan Westberg. I think there's a chance that Jordan Westberg could end up in the major leagues by the end of this year, uh, a very real possibility. Um, if he hits as well as he did last year coming up, 
and he got that little taste at Bowie to end the year. So I imagine he probably doesn't need too long in double A Bowie before he's up in triple A. And we'll see. But I think of those options, I, I'd probably say Jordan Westberg. He's the more polished guy. And like Zach said, the sample size with Joey Ortiz, yeah, we still don't know if like is this guy a legitimate hitter like real hitter like he was in Bowie last year and in Aberdeen can he do that across the full season we have no idea yet so Jordan Westberg's most polished there so I'll go with that yeah I think Ortiz comes up around August Westberg comes out around September Vavra's up by June you got Vavra Ortiz Westberg either you trade Ramon Urias if he's playing well by the deadline or he's just you know in the mix there between DH and one of those infield positions, giving people rest. So that would be an exciting way to end the year, I would think. So we'll go to the next listener question here from Vivek, which is, assuming we make no rotation additions in free agency, is Elias gambling here and having enough innings to cover the season, leading to an eventual tax bullpen, which is kind of what we saw last year and what I think we are all hoping to avoid this year. So I'll let Bob start with this question. I do you think it's a bit of a gamble? I don't think it's as big of a gamble as a lot of people maybe think. I would like to see him sign like we talked about Zach Davies or someone like that. But even if not, I'm pre- I'm pretty content going into it. You know we're going to see Grayson Rodriguez this year at some point. He could be a horse. You know, D.L. Hall, based on Elias's comments, could be up sooner rather than later. We know Kyle Bradish is right there. You still have Lothar Wells. I just feel like there's more – arms and bodies there, Blaine Knight, Ophelke Peralta, Cody Sedlock, that it's not going to be pulling up the Manny Berettas and and Dustin Knights of the world. I feel like there's a little bit more upside on the guys that you'll be leaning on. Obviously, could still blow up in your face a little bit. Michael Bauman, I, I, there's just depth that there wasn't there last year at the upper minors and towards the major league level. So I, I really don't think it's the end of the world if, if they don't sign anyone else. Yeah, I think you'd like to see more stability obviously because even you know Zimmerman the injuries have been such an issue with him even though I think a lot of Oils fans are kind of believe that he's being slept on a little bit uh and he could be a solid rotation piece I think you'd want to see I know I want to see at least one more proven veteran not Matt Harvey type not Matt Boyd and all these other guys that people are like why don't we sign this guy well he's not pitching until June that's why I don't want those guys uh, I want proven, established veterans, younger guys, like early 30s, not 36 years old, 37-year-old guys, younger guys who you know you can count on for the full year. Um, and, and so that way, maybe those last two rotation spots we can use to cycle through Wells, Lowther, Kramer, Zimmerman, you cycle through all those guys without filling your entire rotation with these guys. But yeah, Bob was right. Like There's so much depth, and you've got to know, is Dean Kramer, can he cut it? Uh, you've got to know, can Zach Lowther do it? Uh, can Michael Bauman do it? You've got to finally answer these questions, I feel like, this year because hopefully, or I know there's going to be mass chaos, uh, you've got to turn this corner next year. And to do that first, though, before you address the starting rotation, you got to figure out this depth of prospects you have, pitching prospects and upper minors, who can cut it, who can't. So I'm I'm also content with giving those guys their fair shot this year. There's a definite gamble in not doing more to stabilize the rotation, but I agree with Bob that the depth at the upper levels of the minor leagues is better this year, and I'm not just looking at the rotation. And you know, Bob touched on this. The bullpens at AA and AAA, I think, are going to have more viable major league options this year than they did last year. 
and at least guys that I think can come up and give you more than a week at a time in production. Um, and I also agree with Nick. You know, you want to see what some of these pitchers have. I want to see what Zach Lothar and Alexander Wells can do. I want to know what Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken can do. And at some point this year, I want to see what Michael Ballman and Kyle Braddis do um, to figure out how they fit into this plan. And I also think that you're going to see Grayson Rodriguez by some point this summer. And I think as long as everything with his you know recovery goes well, D.L. Hall is probably going to be up this summer too. So even if he's on limited use, four innings of D.L. Hall is probably still better than five innings of five or six innings of most of the starting pitchers the Orioles threw out there last year. And I'm not, yeah. And I'm not (laughs) expecting DL Hall to come in and be peak DL Hall from day one. Um, So, but I still think that that's better than most of what you had last year. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like these pitching guys, the next wave coming up behind Aiken, Lowther, Wells is Michael Bauman. Uh, I know there are probably more questions now. Is he, a, a starter, a mid-rotation starter, like his upside suggests, or is he more of a bullpen piece? But you've got the top pitching prospect in all the baseball. Grayson Rodriguez will be up this year. Uh, Kyle Bradish is a guy who is getting top 100 votes on some prospect list. Uh, he is a legitimate rotation candidate. I know some people disagree with that. I firmly believe he is a, a rotation piece. Um, he's got to prove it first, but he has that ceiling. Uh, you're going to see him. You're going to The starting pitching prospects we're going to see this year are much higher caliber than what we saw over the last two years. Uh, so, you know, like Zach said, they're not going to be at their peak this year. They're going to take their lumps, but let's let's get the lumps out of the way this year instead of filling the rotation with old veterans who are just barely hanging on. Got to get those lumps checked out for sure. <laughs> so another question here from Vivek, which is, which of the former Rule 5 eligible players will make a final push to get on the 40-man roster next time around? And he lists some guys that were eligible this offseason, including Cameron Bissup, Cody Sedlock, Ophelki Peralta, Blaine Knight, Caden Grenier, Adam Hall, Patrick Dorian, Robert Newstrom, Nick Vespi, and Greg Collin. I'll let Nick start with this one because he actually wrote a piece recently at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com that talked about some of these players. Yeah. Uh, well, are we talking about next year? Together? Yeah, I, I like, think so. Okay. Like between Going now, into, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the next season. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I did write about, you know, Robert Newstrom, Patrick Dorian, and Kane Grenier because I feel like all three of those guys have paths to the major leagues this year to get that opportunity. Um, uh, so Newstrom, though, it, as much as I love the guy, that's a really crowded outfield situation. Like a lot is going to have to go right. Uh, if, if he's nothing more than good, valuable, left-handed power depth, I'm fine with that. Um, considering how his career started, I think it's, it's a fantastic story. Um, I don't know if Grenier's around too too much longer, uh, to be totally honest. And uh, Dorian Dorian as well. Um, I think he's good, good AAA depth probably for right now, but I don't see him being able to be the everyday third baseman in the major leagues. Uh, but of that list, like talking about the end of 2022, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with like Adam Hall. If, if all the hype is real, then Adam Hall is certainly could play his way onto the 40 man roster because he'll be rule five eligible again. Um, and we always say like that map blood touch, it seems to be really the guy. Uh, and last year they, they all turned out pretty well. Uh, and if he's out here hyping up Adam Hall and I saw some tweets today when he got into the game, I think the Orioles are legitimately very high on Adam Hall. 
um, even if it's just a, you know, a utility piece, they're extremely high on him. So if, if that bat does come around, he stays healthy. I think the Adam Hall hype could be grow exponentially over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah that's a good I agree point, with Nick. Oh, sorry, oh, Zach. Oh, I was God. just gonna. I'm lagging. Uh, I'm just gonna say I think a lot of these guys could make their major league debuts this year in 2022, but also be taken off the 40 man roster by the time next offseason rolls around. But I think I think Newstrom will be on there this time next year. Vespi will be on there. Um, I'll say Ofelki Peralta is on there as a reliever, and Cameron Bishop shells out this year and uh, and earns a look coming into next spring. But Adam Hall, yeah, that is a very interesting thing. They're hyping him up either to get him ready to, I don't know, try to trade him at some point if he starts hot. I don't know. but Or he's just, you know, he's turned a corner and he's coming in healthy and ready to go and play a super utility role going forward. We'll see. I don't know. He's got to prove me, prove me wrong first before I can uh, change my tune too much. Bob's scenarios, I think, the probably correct for some of these guys, but they're going to be added onto the 40-man roster during this season and then taken off after the season ends because the quality of players that are Rule 5 eligible after this year is very high. And although I expect that a lot of those situations are going to get resolved during the season, those are still losses of 40-man roster spots that could, you know, could go in there. So my guess of this group, I think the Adam Hall hype is real. He probably makes the 40-man roster uh, next time around. Same with Cameron Bissup for, you know, I, I liked him a lot last year. And I think if he had not gotten hurt, he might have pitched his way into that conversation. I think Nick Vespi is probably in that group too. And then everybody else, I want to see Robert Newstrom get an extended shot um, this year. So I think that will happen, but everybody else might be in that bubble where it's like they got to make the 40 man this year and try to stick on there because there's going to be um, very limited spots for a lot of players who are rule five eligible after this season. I think it's interesting. You brought up the Adam Hall as a possible, you're talking up as a possible trade piece. Cause I was thinking about that as well. Uh, I think that'd be a perfect opportunity for the Orioles. You want to talk about potential trades that could be made this year and start trading these prospects for guys. If Adam Hall does come out hot, you can capitalize on it. He's been a top 30 guy across the industry. I feel like for a long time, like baseball perspectives, I think he's been like a top 10 prospect a couple of years now. Uh, so clearly the industry is pretty high on Adam Hall. Uh, so if he starts out hot and healthy and he's showing off, he can play center field. I think he was in left field today. He plays shortstop. He can play second base. You package him maybe with some of these upper level outfielders who are showing some promise. Maybe you can get a reliable starting pitcher for these guys, a younger guy. Uh, I don't know. Miami's got a, a stockpile of starting pitchers over there. Grab one of those guys. I haven't looked at the rosters. I don't know, but I feel like there's a potential package there to land a legitimate major league starter with, with those prospects. But We'll see what Adam Hall does. Bob's right. He's, he's got a lot to prove to, to us this year. So two kind of general questions here that we can wrap up with, which are, do you take any way from prospects playing time in Major League Spring training games, which is timely, given that Grayson Rodriguez uh, pitched on Monday against the Twins, and we're recording this episode Monday night. And then the other one is, does a rust slash short in spring training like we're dealing with now? change how you feel about results and stats in the game. So I'll start with Bob on these questions. Well, the second one 
that just makes me consider even less like if it's even more meaningless i feel like it's just about getting these guys in playing shape and used to seeing pitches coming in slash throwing the ball to hitters in a live situation so yeah i think the numbers you just got to throw them out and i think the guys like elias and hyde are going off of just how guys look and just maybe exit velocity more than batting average when it comes to uh, who's in the running to make a team. And as far as the prospects, it's been fun so far. I mean, Colton Kowser has been in there a lot. He's playing really well, two walks, couple ripped hits, singles into right field. We talked about the Joey Ortiz play. I saw a tweet that, uh, cause that's the only way you could hear about what happened today was through Twitter or Tim Cook in the patron WhatsApp group. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Cal Stowers apparently hit the ball incredibly hard and a guy made a nice play in the outfield. So that was nice to, to read about. Um, I don't know if I take anything away other than I think it's good experience. I think it's really cool for them. And like Grayson Rodriguez today sounded like, you know, things really got started because the ball was hit out to right field where Trey Mancini was playing right field as they try to work him in there, maybe if uh, the regular right fielder is there, maybe the play is made and, and things don't go the way they did. But I don't think it's ultimately the end of the world. It's just spring training. It's about getting these guys right from when the games count. So I think it's cool, but ultimately it doesn't mean all that much. Yeah, spring stats mean nothing. Uh, the score means nothing. I think as Tim also said, like that home run that Martin hit for Minnesota, he was like, yeah, that's that's a fly routine fly ball out at Camden Yards, uh, especially now since it's like you know 600 feet to left field uh, since we demolished that beautiful wall out there. But the scores mean nothing. The stats mean nothing. Like it's are you hitting your spots if you're a pitcher, right? How does a breaking ball feel? Uh, how do the pitches look? How does the data look? Do you feel comfortable if you've got a new stance? Like Trey Mancini, I think they said, has got a, a little stance adjustment there. If you made these mechanical adjustments, how does it feel? Get used to it. Um, we hear all the time about swing decisions. Are you making the right swing decisions, right? So are you making that high-quality contact regularly? And in Kyle Stowers' case, maybe the Babbitt gods just aren't favoring you that day. Like uh, Teams don't care if they lose 8-1 to in spring training. I feel like you could go 0 for 5 in a spring training game. Um, not that anybody's going to get five at bats from training game, but <laughs> if you make all the right decisions, like you can hit the showers knowing you had a successful day. Uh, you're getting back in the swing of things. Uh, now that it's rushed, I agree that it means even less. Um, I feel I was watching another broadcast and they had a former player on. He's like, the, the games are good to get used to the competition and get out there, but like the real work happens on the backfields. Like that's where you're going to get comfortable and get used to everything again. Um, about prospects playing, like I don't really have any takeaways there either. I think it's, it's been nice to see Kyle Stowers back cleanup in all these games that he starts. Um, it's nice to see Colton Kowser get a lot of ABs and a lot of playing time. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you just can't have any takeaways about seeing JD Mundy out there a lot as well. Cause like JD Mundy's a camp body for right now. Um, it's, it's good experience. Hopefully they're talking with the older guys and then they can take that with them to minor league camp and get the ball rolling on a positive note uh, down in minor league camp. So it's, it's all, it's all f- for those guys. I feel like it's just, it's, it's fun work right now uh, before the minor league season starts. But, and as fans, whenever we do get that two options to watch them play, it's a lot of fun for us. Exactly. I, you know, I don't take a lot of away from stats, especially with the circumstances this year where most of the players in camp didn't really have um, that time with the major league organization to kind of build up uh, their workload and work on some things before exhibition games started. And then, I think for prospects, it's good to be up there because it's good good experience for them. And I think for the major league coaching staff, it's an opportunity to see some things. And, you know, not you're going to draw conclusions from 
one inning of, you know, Grayson Rodriguez or two at bats of Kyle Stowers about the kind of player they are. But I think you can still get a feel for who they are and, you know, what they may have to work on this year. So I think it's beneficial in that respect. I think the other thing, too, is that if you look at wins and losses, you can tell they're prioritized by the fact that I don't think in any of the Orioles games this spring that not only the Orioles, but the team they have played have put out their opening day lineup. It's sort of a patchwork of players that are big names that are going to be in the opening day lineup and players that are probably going to be on the bench on opening day are going to be a triple A. And that hasn't just been the Orioles. I think that their opponents, we've seen that too. So, you know, and that's the case for a lot of spring training. Uh, I think in a typical spring training, it's maybe the last week or 10 days where you start seeing the regulars out there more. Um, I don't know what we're going to see this year, but, for right now, I think you don't really worry about wins and losses or individual stats. Yeah. I will yeah. say, oh, go ahead, Nick. You, I was just going to say, like, you've already seen people say, like, make comments about, you know, the, the defense, those first couple of games. Well, you didn't have those couple of weeks of practice beforehand. So, yeah, the defense is going to suffer. Pitchers' arms, pitching care, like, that's going to be a big impact. Guys, pitchers aren't going to have that opportunity to really ramp up. So I think you're going to see guys continue to kind of put a little soft gloves on a lot of these pitchers as they ramp into the season, especially the Orioles with their young guys. Even the coaches, you know, their communication, they're they're getting out there in the field. They're not as crisp because they haven't been with their guys uh, for a very long time. So it's, it's going to be difficult for everybody. And it's just, I'm sure... Uh, Every player, every organization, every coach would love just for a normal year because this has been like three years now of hiccups and stops and starts and no communication. So it's got to be frustrating for a young team like the Orioles. I was just going to say that the Ryan Fuller effect is real, though. And by Ryan Fuller effect, I mean just the player development path as far as the hitters go. Like uh, I think uh, Vivek mentioned it earlier on a comment on YouTube that the swing decisions are there, the at-bats, at least especially by the minor leaguers who are coming in later in the game, who have been in camp this whole time, haven't, you know, had the delay. They've been in the instructs and all that stuff. Their swing decisions have been great. Like the at-bats are tremendous. The walks are up, the strikeouts are down. So that's a good sign. As good a sign as any. Yeah, completely agree. And before we wrap up this episode, um, Bob and Nick, any last thoughts? Can't believe it's two weeks from opening day. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, two weeks from there. Uh, three weeks, April 5th, opening night, Norfolk Tides. Uh, so we've got – it's fun to have real baseball that we can kind of throw into these conversations here. Uh, baseball is is here. It's back. I think they're on TV on Tuesday. So uh, at least the, the road broadcast. And maybe even uh, – it'd be nice if we get a StatCast game as well. Hopefully we get one of those. I don't know if they traveled to play Minnesota on the road. I know they get the spring train stack gas, but we need some good numbers, the good data now. Exactly. And we will be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, continue to follow us on Twitter at BSL on the birds. Uh, you can also see our work over at Baltimore sports and life.com uh, to check out, not just the columns from Bob, Nick and myself, but from the great writers at Baltimore sports and life.com covering the NCAA tournament, baseball, the NFL, and more. Be sure to hop on the message board there and join the discussion with writers and fellow readers of the site. Um, we will be back next week. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Sped. You've been listening to On the Birds. <laughs>